0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Adam, I'm the pastor here. Good to have you with us. This morning, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Do something real nice for your mom today, okay? Real good. Treat her right. Make her dinner. Coming over, Mom? Can't wait. That's what she says. I'll have it ready for you. It's going to be good. I'm going to make Maggie help me. (laughs) All right, hey, the, the title of today's message is The Higher... Mountains. If you want to open up your Bibles to John chapter 14, that'd be great. Uh, we're in this section of the church calendar called Eastertide. Uh, it is a celebration of Easter. Easter is not one Sunday in the church calendar. It's like a bunch of Sundays and we're in it. And uh, the passage today is from John chapter 14. I want to read that and then we'll tell a couple stories and, you know, do the things we do. A few verses from John chapter 14. It goes like this. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he'll be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's very key. You might want to underline that. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So many promises here for us uh, this morning. Uh, Before we come back to the text, I want to talk to you about mountains for a second. Uh, uh, Who here in the room has ever been to the mountains? Anybody here ever been to the mountains? You know, if you're from central Kentucky, uh, you've probably been to Gatlinburg, Redneck Vegas. (laughs) And if you can escape Gatlinburg, if you can get out of Pigeon Forge, which I recommend... The mountains around it are actually awesome. Have you ever noticed that? They're really great. They're actually, I would even use the word magical. They're called the Blue Ridge Mountains for a reason. All those mountains along eastern Tennessee, western North Carolina, parts of Virginia and West Virginia, there's this very real blue haze that kind of hangs in the mountains And it's just, it's phenomenal. It's 12 months a year. It doesn't matter if it's December or July. It's not seasonal, it's just all the time. And you can go up there and experience it. And if you're really, really like ambitious and you want to go to the top of the mountain, maybe there in East Tennessee, you can get up to about 6,000 feet and it's really worth it. Uh, There's this other little place in Western North Carolina called Grandfather Mountain. Who's ever been to Grandfather Mountain? Anybody ever been? You pay your money? Uh, Did you go to the top? But I'm saying, did you climb the ladder things? Let me tell you something about Grandfather Mountain. I cannot believe they let humans do this. There are ladders that hang off the side of the mountain. If you fall off the ladder, they will never find your body. Right? And you'll get up to the top and you'll be close to 6,000 feet. And it's, it's really, it's unbelievable. It's majestic. But how many of you know that the mountains in Gatlinburg are not the tallest mountains in the world? They're not the tallest mountains in the world. Uh, a couple years ago, I had some, uh, some work to do in Colorado. So I did my work, tacked on an extra day. I thought, I'm going to go get in the mountains. took my string bag with me, threw a couple water bottles in there, put a cliff bar, and I took off up the mountain. I left early in the morning because where I wanted to go was a pretty good hike. And I got up above the tree line, which took a while. And then once you get above the tree line, it starts hitting your heart. <laughs> You're like, wow, what's happening right now? And I kept pressing and I got up to this alpine lake and the alpine lake was fed by a glacier. And I went a little further and I had my water and my cliff bar while sitting on the glacier. Found out later that day, it was about 12,000 feet. It was, it was really amazing. Uh, this is my favorite part of that little story. I wasn't alone on the glacier because apparently earlier that morning, some crazy women had gotten up even earlier than me And they didn't just go to the glacier. They went to the top of the glacier, and they rode snow skis all the way down. Ambitious people, you know? But how many of you know that that the mountains in Colorado are not the tallest mountains in the world? Like, It's actually not even close. Not even close. Uh, Mount McKinley is the tallest mountain in the lower 48, I believe, and it's like 14.5, something like that. Uh, Denali in Alaska is 20,000 feet And if you go to the top of Denali, you're still not even close to being at the highest mountain, which is Everest. It's at 29,000 feet, almost 30,000 feet. Like planes fly at that altitude. Can you imagine? You need oxygen. And every year, people climb Everest. In fact, there's a giant base camp, and there's people there today, like acclimating to the altitude, trying to get themselves prepped for it. And, and not only are people there, and not only do people climb Everest, but every year when people climb Everest, a few die. And guess what they do with your body when you die on Everest? They leave you there. You're a totem pole for whoever else comes next. And if you ever trek up Everest, you're going to pass some people who didn't make it. Isn't that just lovely this morning? Yeah. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. <laughs> Why am I talking about mountain? Here's what I want to do as we just sort of unlock the text maybe a little bit this morning. I want you to put in your mind this mental image of a mountain range. And I want you to have in your mind that there are these peaks in the mountain range, some of which are higher than others, if we could maybe say it that way. And the text that we read this morning from Jesus is one of the highest mountains in all of the text. It's one of the highest mountains in the whole Bible. There's so much in here about what Jesus is saying and what is available. And the promises that Jesus gives us this morning in John chapter 14, these are like like the Mount Everest's of Christian promise. But I don't want to start there. I want to start actually maybe in the Old Testament. I want to start in the Old Testament. And the reason I wanted to is because the principal revelation of the Old Testament is that God is with us. Like this was the breakthrough revelation uh, in the Old Testament. It's not just that there was a God. Uh, all of the peoples of the ancient Near East believed there was a God. Uh, not only that, but every tribe and every tongue and every people around the world has always believed that there was a God. But the breakthrough revelation of the Old Testament is that that God is personal and he's with us. He's not distant. He doesn't live in heaven. He's somehow coming near to us. And you see this in the book of Exodus. One of my favorite moments in Exodus is 33. It goes like this. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me to take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and you've told me I will look favorably upon you. If it is true that you look favorably upon me, then let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation, it's not mine, it's yours, God. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. By the way, those two things go together always. Rest comes from the presence of God, not from lack of work, it's from It's from the inclusion of God's presence. The Lord says, I will go with you and everything will be fine with you. And then Moses says, if you don't go with us, don't make us leave this place. This is like the beginning of people realizing there's, it's not just that there is a God, but he's with us. And you see it grow in Isaiah chapter seven. We read this every year at Christmas time. All right, then, says Isaiah, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's what the sign is. Look, a virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and she'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's the fundamental revelation of the Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah, they entertained the angel of the Lord when they heard the pronouncement of their pregnancy in their old age. Remember that moment? Sarah laughs and the angel says, what are you laughing about, old lady? You're going to have a kid. God was with them. Not only that, but the people of Israel walked out of Egypt with a cloud by day and a fire by night. They had manna in the morning and they had water from the rock. Uh, the, break, the breakthrough revelation was that God was not hidden in heaven. He was not a million miles away. We were not separated in all the ways that you might assume. In fact, God was really near to us. Uh, If you do a really close reading of the book of Exodus, here's what you find. At the very beginning and opening chapters of Exodus, God is in heaven. About halfway through the book of Exodus, God is on top of the mountain. And by the time you end the book of Exodus, God is no longer on the mountain. He lives in a tent among his people. The Old Testament message is God is with us. I wanted to start there this morning because it's not the highest mountain. There are other higher mountains. Not only does the Old Testament say that God is with us, but in the coming of Jesus, it was though God came even closer. Uh, God was not just with his people, but in Jesus Christ, God had become a person. This is the central claim of Christianity. It's not just you don't go to hell when you die. The central claim of Christianity is that God is not only with us, he has become one of us. God is not with his people. He's become a person in flesh and blood. God is not just out there somewhere, but God has taken on marrow and he lives as we live. That God, for the sake of love, would leave glory, that he would dress up in frailty so that he could come near to you and he could come near to me. And he would come near to us in ways that we can hardly imagine. And because of this, Christians declare that God knows what it means to be a person. God knows what it means to be a person. God knows what it is to live a life like yours. God knows what it is to live. God knows what it is to grow up. God knows what it is to become older. God knows what it is to experience joy. God knows what it is to laugh. God knows what it is to experience pain. God knows what it is to experience betrayal God knows what it is to experience disappointment, sickness. God even knows what it is to die. And he knows this not because of his omnis and not because of his all-inclusive knowledge, but he knows it because of his own body. God hasn't come to be with his people. The Bible declares at a higher level, God has become a person and he's dwelt among us. God knows these things not as an academic, but as a practitioner. The mountains go higher. And today's text points at one of the highest peaks in Christian doctrine. And it's the doctrine of theosis. Somebody in the room say theosis. It's a weird word. Theosis is the reality that God has taken on flesh in the incarnation. Not only that, but he did so that you and I might put on his divine nature. Theosis is not just that God has become a person, but that by doing so, you and I might participate, as Peter says, in the divine nature. I want to put up a quote from one of the church fathers. I love this one. God became man so that men might become God's. I read that occasionally here at the vineyard, and every time I do, someone's like, uncomfortable. I love that. It feels blasphemous to us on the beginning. But it only feels blasphemous to us to the degree that we have not paid close enough attention to what the New Testament was actually saying. Look at verses 18 through 20 this morning. Pay really close attention to what Jesus says. He says, I will not abandon you as orphans, but I will come to you. Soon the, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And since I live, you'll also live. You'd have to under on that. Since I'm going to live, you're also going to live. And then look at this. When I'm raised to life again, you'll know that I am in my father, that you are in me, and i am in you that's a jumble isn't it like it'd be good to like slow down and maybe write that down somewhere and meditate on it for a week or two jesus says jesus says i'm in my father you're in me if he's in his father and we're in him where are we also in the father and then he says i'm in you back again That should cause everybody in the room to say, dang. A couple things here. Uh, This is a not-so-quiet Trinitarian riff by Jesus. The whole passage is is soaked in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send you somebody. He's going to help you. He's an advocate. He's like a lawyer. He's a helper. I'm going to send you somebody. He's the Holy Spirit. He's never going to leave you. And in this passage where Jesus is talking about the Spirit, he also says this very strange thing, that he's in the Father, that we are in him, and that he is in us. It's this quiet Trinitarian riff. And in saying this, what Jesus is getting at is something like this, that the life of the Trinity that he experiences is the life that he will share with every single person Who is a disciple of his, who puts their trust in his? The life of the Trinity is available to you. Not later, now. The life of the Trinity, the the embrace of the Father is available to everyone in the room. The Father who says to Jesus, You're my son, you make me happy. When God declares, You're my son, you make me happy, He doesn't just say it to Jesus, He says it to every son and daughter in this room. You're my beloved son, you're my beloved daughter, you make me happy. Why? We are in the Father. That is why. He is in us. The life of the Trinity, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did no miracles because he was God. Jesus did miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. The life of the Spirit is available to you. It was available to Jesus. It is available to you. Uh, The friendship of Jesus, the instruction of Jesus that the early disciples received, it is available to you. Why? Because Jesus says in John chapter 14 that the life of the Trinity is available to me and to you. We're being included in the dynamic life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to give you another church father this morning, St. Maximus the confessor. Here's what he says about theosis. It is total participation in Jesus Christ. I love that. Total participation. And I love the idea that Jesus, that Jesus is someone we can participate with and inside of and wants to have life inside of us. Uh, this is why Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ with you. No, Christ in you. It's not that lower peak. It's not the Gatlinburg peak of God with you. It is God with you in you the hope of glory it's also why peter would write in second peter chapter 1 verses 3 or 4 his divine power has given us look at this everything we need for godly life not will give you has given you his divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Not someday, now. Guys, this is is the Everest that the Bible is pointing us to. It's not that God would be with you. He is with you. It's better than that. He's in you and you are in him. And I can hear some of us in the room already this morning. That's great, Adam, but I don't feel the bliss. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Some of you are thinking, I don't feel like I'm participating in the divine nature. I mean, sometimes I feel a little close to God during worship, but most of my days are fairly ho-hum. Or, or maybe some of you are thinking, I just want to get through my work day and not hate the people I work with. You know, I want to I finish up on a Friday and not want to murder everybody in the office. It's talking about d- the divine nature. What are you talking about? I just want to. I want to get along with a few people. Well, I just want to say a couple of things about your feelings. Number one, uh, your feelings are liars. <laughs> my feelings often lie to me. Right? Like sometimes my feelings are telling me the truth, but sometimes my feelings are lying to me. And sometimes, sometimes I'm I'm not a great hang. Not because not because you've like offended me. It's just because I'm low on calories. Sometimes I just need a Snickers. Right? Like feelings lie. They lie all the time. You let, me, you let me get in a low calorie moment, you might think less of me. I don't know. Here's what I want to tell you if you don't feel it. These things that were talking about this morning, I just want to say, first off, I get it. Tomorrow is going to be Monday for everybody in the room. And if I take a melatonin, it's like a double Monday. By the way, I love to take melatonin. Do you love taking melatonin? Gosh, I love it. You take a melatonin and it just like, I feel it in my elbows 20 minutes later and I'm like... Oh. It's like, you know that Homer Simpson meme where he's going through the bushes? I feel like I'm doing that in my bed. Like, ah. But then the next morning, I can't get up. I, I can't even get up. And the coffee doesn't work, and it's Monday. And if you take a melatonin on Sunday, you get a double Monday. That's the way I feel, anyway. I get it. If you don't feel like you're participating in the divine nature, I get it. I want to give you one little maxim from maybe my favorite podcaster, Rich Roll. This is what Rich Roll says. Mood follows action. Isn't that right, Chris? Mood follows action. Here's what Rich Roll means by that. The right feelings usually follow the right actions. Do the right thing, even if you don't feel like it, and the feelings come later. By the way, that's, a, that's free marriage advice. You want to stay married? You want to you have the feeling? Just do the right things. The feelings can come back. All right, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to land on being a disciple. Isn't it interesting that Jesus gives us this tremendous promise that we'll be in the Father and that he'll be in us, divine union? Isn't it interesting that Jesus gives us this amazing promise, but the context for the amazing promise is radical discipleship. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll what? Obey my commandments. Like radical discipleship goes with radical promise. Those things go together. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And here's, here's why I think he's saying it like that. Because the foundation of discipleship is always, is always, always, always this. You and I are trying to do the stuff. We want to listen to Jesus. We want to obey Jesus. Uh, We want to do the things that Jesus does, and we want to do them for the reasons that Jesus does them. And we we want to do that because we're united with Christ, because he's in us and because we're in him. Uh, We want to do these things because we have union, because his divine nature is already at work in us, already the yeast has been placed in the dough and it's actually doing something and and this is important to point out we don't do the things that Jesus says so that we can acquire the divine nature we don't do the things that Jesus says so that we can experience union. We don't do the things that Jesus says so that we can earn something. No, 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 no. Christian discipleship is always this. You've been welcomed by the Father. You've been given his promises. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. You've been given it up front when you were far away, when you were not near to Jesus, when your heart didn't even barely know him. You were given everything as a son up front. You were given a ring. You were given a robe. You were given a fatted calf. Everything up front. And so all Christian discipleship comes from that first. All of that comes first. All of our discipleship is not earning. None of our discipleship is extracting something from God. God gives everything first. And it's like yeast that's put in a little dough. It causes us to change, it causes something in us to rise up and to be a different thing altogether. Does this make sense? So radical discipleship comes with radical promises from God. But the promise is you've already been included, whether you feel it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, whether it makes sense to you or not. You've already been included. You are in. The heart, you are in the embrace, you are in the, the affections of God, you are in the life of the Trinity already, and because of that, it is changing us. It is changing us. It's literally raising us up. It's one of the reasons I love Jesus' little parable about the yeast and the dough. The woman puts a little bit of yeast in a giant lump of dough. Emily said this, more, this, this past Wednesday, it was 60 pounds of dough. Is that right, Emily? It was two calms. Callum's her youngest son. <laughs> it's two callums of dough. And I love this image. The woman puts the yeast in the dough, and the dough what? Rises. It's, it's a quiet resurrection parable, by the way. Jesus is saying, like the life of the Spirit, the life of the Trinity, the life of the resurrection, the life. That raises Jesus up it's all, it's, everything is already in you, and so anytime that you or I have the impulse to to come near to God, anytime that you or I have the the impulse to be to be kind to a stranger, to help a neighbor to be to be decent to a difficult person, to help the poor, to reach out to the struggling, to find the person who is in the in the throes of sorrow time you or I feel the impulse for that, what we're actually feeling is the yeast of God's kingdom, uh, the, the participation in the divine nature, the union is already at work. That's what's happening. And so Christian discipleship is just, it's just literally, it's just cooperating with what is already there. This is the good news. You don't have to remain the same. He's already put all the stuff in you. You do not have to remain the same. You don't have to stay an addict. That's what I want to tell you this morning. You don't have to stay an addict. Uh, You don't have to stay stay miserable. Your life doesn't have to be the next five decades of like just sadness and misery. Uh, You don't have to stay locked in depression. You don't have to stay locked in despondency. Your life doesn't have to have no meaning. You don't have to show up at your job every single day hating it. You don't have to despise all the people around you because you've been united with Christ. You've been embraced by the Father. You've been empowered by the Spirit. You've been loved by the Son. And it is changing you even now. That's the highest peak. It's not that God is with us. It's that he's in us. Just like yeast and he wants to raise you up. That's the actual good news. Whether you've ever heard it or not, you heard it today. That's the actual good news. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to do what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And we're going to obey one this morning. I like to start with very simple things and few of them. We're going to receive communion. And here's why we're going to do it. Because Jesus said to do it. Jesus said, remember me remember me so if you're one of the couples who's going to serve this morning will you come grab those elements and just take your place around the room i'd love it if glenn and kelly would come up and go ahead and start playing music glenn you don't even have to wait thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the vineyard church in campbellsville kentucky if you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the vineyard you can follow us on social media until next time